Sultans of Slam for June 19th, 2020, Friday. Reed will not be joining us today, but I am here. I am Lee. Uh, in the defense of Reed, he was going to join us for AW, uh, the review, and watched it, uh, watched Dynamite as well, but realized he didn't have his computer with Skype installed, and I was going to push the issue and, and ask him to install Sk- Skype on another computer, really put him out. So uh, he'll be back next week for both Public Data Podcast and Sultans of Slam. Uh, but for now, uh, what do we have in store for you? As I said, AEW Dynamite from June 17th, 2020. We're also going to talk about the extra bonus round episode of Total Bellows that took me by surprise last week, which is Season 5, Episode 11. Uh, do a quick review of that, not a commentary. If I said that was going to be the case, I outright lied to you. All right, uh, let's talk about, quickly, the awful uh, week uh, that pro wrestling had. Uh, first, someone tests positive uh, for covid at a raw taping or live recording, whatever the hell the fuck they're doing there. Uh, but they basically have the peanut gallery now, and they're allowing people to bring their family uh, and kids and whatnot, I guess, uh, to fill out the stands and, get, and kind of watch what's going on. Uh, a lot of developmental wrestlers are also expected to be in the crowds, as uh, we've mentioned previously on the podcast, expected to stand many long hours. And uh, we learned this week, uh, tangentially, that uh, masks are not allowed to be worn on WWE television, not only by the performers in the ring, being the ref and the uh, the wrestlers themselves, but anyone in the crowd uh, also is not allowed to wear a mask. So uh, when someone tests positive, there was nothing in place to prevent any of these other people from getting sick, especially as WWE does not conduct COVID tests at their tapings. Uh, they simply take a temperature check and then ask if you're feeling all right. Uh, temperature check how is that fucking acceptable? We've pretty much, uh, we've known from the start of this thing that people can be asymptomatic, they can present no temperature, they can be carrying it, be contagious without presenting a temperature or any outward sickness. Uh, so bad look on you, WWE. Since then, Kevin Owens has pulled out of tapings, as well he should. He's got a family. He doesn't need to be going back and forth, possibly getting his entire family sick. Previously, of course, Roman Reigns ducked out before WrestleMania. That guy doesn't need to be there. He is immunocompromised, having cancer, uh, and also a family and stuff like that. So, uh, of course, WWE has said, you can uh, stay home. We will not stop your push. You will not lose your standing. Uh, Sami Zayn decided to stay home, and he was subsequently stripped of the uh, his championship that he won. So, I don't know. Uh, so that sucks. What also sucks is uh, th- all these uh, rape allegations. Let's talk about that. So, hashtag speaking out. Uh, basically, the pro wrestling version of Me Too this week blew up. Uh, tons of names involved across multiple uh, wrestling promotions. It just kind of snowballed uh, as people started... Uh, speaking out and and seeing the support they were getting. Other people who've been basically holding on to things for the past 10 years is bringing it up. And the crazy thing is, uh, while I respect uh, pro wrestling as an art form, we know the names of maybe 2 or 3% of the wrestlers that exists. And pro wrestling, self-admittedly, is a carny business uh, and has been for a long time. And what has been considered acceptable with the boys, quote-unquote, backstage for a long time uh, has been really unacceptable. Things we, uh, you know, this is kind of just dealing with people in their 20s, 30s now. Uh, some of the names uh, we're throwing around here. Uh, NWA Vice President uh, Dave Lagana. Uh, a bunch of talent from WWE, including 
Jordan Devlin is uh, facing abuse charges. Uh, Travis Banks, Joe Coffey, Tyler Bate. Uh, you can g- go into more detail of see what all of these guys have done. It's varying levels of horrendous. Uh, and of course, Matt Riddle may be the biggest name as part of this. Uh, and I read in detail uh, the the account there, which was from, I believe, Candy Cartwright is the name of the wrestler. Excuse me while I do my research on air. That's, that's how the professionals do it. Rather than be wrong. Yes, Candy Cartwright uh, accused him of some pretty nasty things. And the worst part about it... And of course, all these these gentlemen are, are are innocent until proven guilty. These are allegations that some of them are being investigated. Some of them are being straight uh, outright thrown out. Uh, there was something like what would happen with Enzo Amore at WWE, where he was accused uh, of, of sexual assault, essentially, and that ended up being uh, someone basically calling foul on him, just trying to to take him down. There was nothing of substantiated of that. Uh, but the guy's name was already being drugged through the mud, so we were all ready to to pile on him at that point. Um, there's a lot of platitudes being thrown around. I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, one of which, uh, with Chris Jericho and Mike Chioda, we'll get to in a moment. But a lot of platitudes like, this is unacceptable in 2020. No, this is unacceptable at all times. And uh, it would be very interesting to me to see this snowball to the point of people starting to talk about Vince and his crew and the people that Vince likes to surround himself with and the stories we know of these people and how they've treated people throughout the years and the fact that they will always have a job at WWE as long as they want it for whatever reason. Maybe it works both ways. Maybe they have dirt on someone and therefore that someone keeps them close to the vest. I don't know what to say. My my tinfoil hat is now being taken off. Uh, but yes, Matt and Riddle has been pulled from SmackDown tonight. He will uh, he was supposed to debut, I believe, in a program opposite AJ Styles. So uh, that effectively takes him off uh, TV until this all kind of gets sorted out one way or the other. Uh, and we'll kind of see from there. Um, obviously, if, if these women have had something happen to them, this is this is the time you're surrounded by support. Uh, but we all need to take it in stride until, of course, anyone is, is convicted or charged with these things. But as I was getting to with the pro wrestling carny business, we know uh, through Dark Side of the Ring and stories throughout the years how Macho Man Randy Savage would, would treat Elizabeth, etc., etc. Uh, the, these guys are not scientists. These guys are not mathematicians and lawyers. They are pro wrestlers. They are the guy at the carnival getting shot in the stomach with a cannonball. And uh, this is something they have thought has been acceptable for a long time or just came with the job. And it seems like, unfortunately, a lot of this behavior, one way or the other, was passed down to the younger generation. And uh, if this is the reckoning for that and we have to clear a bunch of names uh, off the roster here, then so be it. Uh, but until then, we'll uh, we'll keep watching this and, and see what happens. So, whew, with that out of the way, uh, let's talk about more fun news. Uh, Mike Chioda was on the uh, Chris Jericho podcast, and I highly recommend you go listen to it. If you are interested in the business of pro wrestling, especially the early days and how things kind of operated. This motherfucker's been in the business for 35 years. Never mind that. He's worked for WWE, WWF for 35 years. He was unceremoniously let go with the layoffs that happened in April. This guy who's been loyal for 31 years, didn't have any heat in the company, has in fact been rehabbing an injury for the past six months. Uh, Got a call in March to say, hey, here's your salary increase. Got a call a month later to say he had been fired. Uh, on the podcast, he himself has no idea why he was let go. He has a good relationship with everybody. He doesn't know where the heat came from, as he put it. Uh, he then goes on to talk about uh, how he was paid early on, how he started with the business. He is very interesting. He is very well-spoken. 
Uh, he alludes at one point to talking about making a book of the rules of WWE, which is something that doesn't exist in words anywhere. It's not a book. It's not a thing you can look up. It is something that is maybe referenced, but changed all the time. That would be very interesting for a senior <clears throat> referee to kind of weigh in on that stuff. And then he talks about uh, just the early days being 16 years old, 17 years old, setting up the ring, how he was paid very handsomely for his hard work, uh, how Andre the Giant would ask him to go to the corner liquor store and buy him French wine, and he was 17 and not of age yet. And the other wrestlers like, well, you can't tell Andre the Giant, I'm not going to get you wine. You need to go stand at that liquor store, give your money to a stranger, and hope they don't screw you. Uh, lots of great stories like that. I highly recommend you check it out. Chris Jericho also had Aubrey Edwards rather on his uh, show, earlier in the week uh and if if you're into her as a personality want to know more about her she's she's all she seems to be uh and is, is a fun time as well so chris jericho basically interviewing everybody who's being like oh, you for better or worse and i have to say uh it's been kept pretty classy uh in terms of they're not mudslinging they're not talking about man can you believe vince did this or vince did that if anything, they are simply presenting the facts. They are saying factually what happened. They are not burning any bridges. Uh, and and I think that's the high road. And I think that's the way to go. Because Vince would never extend that same olive branch to you. And I'm sure all these podcasts are going over really well with him. Um, yeah, check out that Mike Chioda. I was going to talk more about what happened on the Mike Chioda podcast. But you should just go listen to it. It's fucking free and on the internet. Just stop this and go listen to a good podcast. Okay, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. <laughs> Alright, just gonna take a sippy here. Today's uh, drink of choice. The Mango Loco Monster. Oh, Krista is joining me. She's just behind me. Krista, what do you think of all that awful news I just said? Sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. That's pro wrestling, baby. It's the perfect time, too. Like, Dark Side of the Ring basically bringing all these really monumental, awful pro wrestling things out of history. Uh... And then and this, and then like the idea that I'm always really upset when no one is surprised by something. We live in Manitoba and recently, uh, somehow finally, uh, this, this fashion mogul named Peter Nygaard's finally being investigated and turns out, whoops, he's raped dozens of people or something. Uh, and this is something that since I was little has, has just been considered. Yeah. He's just like, he's got an Island. And he, like, gets girls to poop on him and stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes against their will. But that's just, <laughs> that's that's rich people for you. Uh, so when, when he gets taken down and no one is surprised, uh, that's always the thing that really bothers me. And especially with these pro wrestlers, when I read these stories. And, of course, it could be, it, it could be completely fabricated. You don't know. As, a, as an observer, you're sitting there being like, you know what? That sounds like something this guy could have done. And that's a bad feeling. <laughs> it's being like, man. Uh, especially when, when you see some of these convictions come out now. Uh, and you're like, no one had any idea. Wow. He's really good at this. Uh, and that's really upsetting. So, something that isn't upsetting. AEW Dynamite. Daily's Place, Jacksonville, Florida. The home of AEW Dynamite on TNT. There are two weeks till Fighter Fest. What Fighter Fest is, is a free pay-per-view. It's going to take place over two days, July 1st and July 8th, I believe in place of Dynamite. Uh, I don't know if that was ever explicitly said on this show or anywhere, but that's what I'm to understand is going to happen. We don't even have time to introduce uh, the announce team this week. We're getting straight down to the action. It is Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus Dustin and QT Marshall, the Natural Nightmares. They have won a tag team championship opportunity based on their winningness. Uh, if you're wondering when the hell did that happen, uh, it's on Dark. They basically uh, have been tearing it up, not on TV. And here's their, uh, their whatever. Uh, so great action here. 
Dustin's all fired up. QT and Dustin clear the ring here at one point. Uh, there's like a, a go-round of, of cool signature moves. We get a Snapdragon from Kenny, a Canadian Destroyer from Dustin, a huge Lariat from the Hangman, and then a Diamond Cutter from QT Marshall. He was apparently gifted the Diamond Cutter from uh, Diamond Dallas Page of Yoga fame. Uh, we get Allie, the bunny, at the top of the ramp. Uh, distracts QT, not in like a, the WWE babyface way, but he misses a flip enough for the champs to isolate QT Marshall, get a near fall on him as Dustin breaks it up. Uh, but then he's hit with the last call, the V-trigger, uh, lariat combo as it were, and they put QT away. I do have to say QT Marshall, for a man of his size and physique, moves very well in the ring. Uh, has a pretty cool repertoire of moves. I, I'm to understand he's a, a wrestling instructor and stuff as well. Uh, it shows it here. He's he's actually a great wrestler. He his his character is kind of I, I don't know if he's been really fleshed out on uh, on Dynamite at all. So I don't know a lot about him. He uh, he's one of those guys who is going bald. Uh, I'm gonna say not because of steroids, or he might look more like Brian Cage than like uh, Chuck from Best Friends. But uh, he, it's it's like man, should he shave his head? Would he look better as a bald man? Uh, and then he, you have to realize that Dustin, also a bald man, uh, so you could have two kind of older-looking bald men on a team as the natural nightmares. I don't know about that. Uh, but they put on a great show here. If anything, uh, lots of action. All four men did very well here. Good to see Hangman Adam Page. Obviously, as we haven't seen him wrestle so much in the last few months. The champs retain. And uh, it's going to be best friends or Lesex gods at Fighter Fest next for our champions, uh, depending on the outcome of tonight. JR says hello! Hello, JR. He introduced the announced team, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone. We're running down what's going to happen on the show tonight. We got the TNT Championship Open Challenge, Cody versus someone. Uh, not revealed here. Uh, Cody chose someone from outside AEW to challenge him this week. Billy and his son <laughs> at ringside uh, versus MJF with Wardlow. And uh, Superbad Squad, which is a new name. They were the Superbad Death Squad uh, last week. And me and Reed talked about how there's a lot of teams already with death in their name. Uh, so they they cut the death out here. Super super Bad Squad. Jimmy Havoc of the Super Bad Squad, also amongst the people uh, with allegations against him. Not sexual allegations per se. Uh, I'll let you look into that for yourself if you're interested. Uh, they will go against the Young Bucks and Sex Gods versus Best Friends tonight as well. And the Best Friends are putting their tag championship opportunity on the line. If the Sex Gods are able to pin them, it will be Sex Gods versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Sex Gods. Sex Gods. Okay. This next part's really cool. I want to talk really quickly about, uh, Allie, however, as Allie is... I don't know if it's ever been said on TV or implied on Dark or whatever, but Allie is the real-life wife of the Blade, of Butcher and Blade. And she has a story here that's kind of started out of nowhere, off of Dynamite, uh, where she is trying to, like, woo QT for one reason or another, and the Butcher and Blade haven't really had anything to say about it. I'm to understand maybe on Dark uh, something took place here. Some kind of work breakup. Anyway, it's a bit confusing. Especially considering, uh, you know, in real life, of course, she's married to this guy and now, whatever, um, wrestling and real life. How do they work? Anna J in action next. Anna J is newly signed to AEW. She has a magician gimmick. Uh, it's like a showgirl magician kind of gimmick. She's going to be the star. Uh, she gets a whole video vignette here. And goddamn, did they swerve me on what happened next. So Abaddon comes out. Abaddon, uh, as she's announced. And uh, this is someone who is also signed for AEW, has taken place in some matches, I believe, on Dark, 
and is an absolute goddamn monster I have written here. Uh, she's got colored contacts. She's she's crawling on the ground, uh, covered in body paint, just looking fucked up. And uh, it's awesome. It's like, she's so into the gimmick that it, it, it goes over the other side. It's no longer goofy. It's not Bray Wyatt. It's something that you actually have trouble watching. Uh, she, the way she's contorting and moving around the ring. And it's pro wrestling. So at this point, if I'm believing this creature has crawled out of the back, waiting her turn to wrestle somebody, uh, and, and I'm buying into this monster, then fucking kudos to you. Uh, JR apologizes to the viewer for the horrific visuals. Uh, and the best part about this is after building up Anna Jay as this new signee and giving her this little video package and letting her talk up herself, we're like, oh, Anna Jay, let's go. First win for Anna Jay. Here we go. Abaddon, Abaddon, rather, uh, completely squashes her. Uh, a couple moves here. Hurricane Rana, one, two, three, Abaddon wins. I was not expecting that. What a way to debut uh, a, a wrestler like this, a gimmick like this, to have them completely squash somebody. I thought that was fucking awesome. And I think Abaddon, uh, as a character, as a, as a monster, I'm curious what they do with this character if it's if this is it just this freaky visual and then she's straight up killing people uh what that would mean if abaddon ever becomes like the champion does she care to become champion what's the story here i'm intrigued uh and you can kind of make or bake make or bake make or break a gimmick like this based on where we go next uh and that was kind of the thing with chris Dantlander, who is the galaxy's favorite fucking alien which is f fucking ridiculous. This is a person that comes out with glitter and boops people on the nose. And uh, I always said to Reed, wait, just wait. We got to see when the other shoe drops here. They could they could make an alien gimmick work. The way it works is you give uh, some plausible deniability. You, get, you make it so that people who want to believe this is an alien can absolutely believe that. And everybody else can believe this is a, a disillusioned, crazy person. Uh, and my idea was you have someone from, like, a mental institution come by asking for someone by name that we don't recognize. Maybe they ask Brandy, and they present a picture. And uh, while it, it doesn't look exactly like Chris Statlander, it's Chris Statlander, and she's, like, an escaped mental patient or something like that. Uh, but then also have something otherworldly, like the movie fucking K-Pax, speaking of sexual allegations. Uh, K-Pax, uh, where it's, it's left ambiguous at the end. Is this a crazy man, Kevin Spacey? Or was he an alien all along? Or did he, did he kidnap some other crazy... What the hell happened at the end of that movie? Uh, that's the only way that that, would, that was going to work. And they didn't do it. Uh, Chris Statlander is just an alien. That's just... Okay. Cool. Um, which sucks because Chris Statlander is one of the better wrestlers they have on the roster too. So, I don't know. We'll figure that out. After the match, the Dark Order appears uh, in full strength here. Just a bunch of... Short jobbers, uh, some in masks, some without. Evil Uno uh, and Grayson is here. Uh, Brody Lee is here. Uh, Evil Uno approaches Colt Cabana at the ringside there, and they give him an envelope. Inside is a contract. Colt Cabana's making his dumb thinking about something face. Uh, and then the Dark Order helps Anna out of the ring, and Colt hams for the camera. I've written here. Uh, very interesting. I like this. Uh, the Dark Order, when you really start to stop and think about it, as Reed and I do often... Uh, when we tried to do our dream booking for the Dark Order, and then they just kind of went another way the next week. Uh, when you really th stop to think about them, they are they are a group of people that think they are the strongest thing in the AEW, when in reality they just lose all the time. Uh, they're given some credibility here and there, I guess, on Dark winning matches. Brody Lee himself wins matches. Uh, but why someone like Cole Cabana uh, or Anna Jay with so much promise to join these guys, it's bleh, whatever, we'll see where it goes. Um... I don't hate this. Let's just put it that way. Commercial break. We're back. MJF versus Billy Gunn. Or just Billy. Because his last name was taken away from him. 
as it is trademarked by another wrestling company. How about that shit? Uh, when you think that sounds ridiculous, he's not the only one. Why do you think we can call Cody Cody? MJF attempts to leave uh, during this match. Billy goes backstage into the grill position and fetches him. There's a commercial break here. We get a commercial for My Spy, the Batista movie, which I was pretty sure came out pre-COVID, but we're advertising it here again, so... Here we go. Uh, Wardlow gets involved here. He uh, gets involved with Billy's son, I believe it is. Tosses MJF the diamond ring. MJF knows where the camera is at all times. This son of a bitch is so good at his job. Um, not only is he is he cheating out hiding from the referee, so at any time during this match, you believe this guy was thrown a weapon, basically, and hit it from the referee. He is looking directly at the viewer while the distraction is happening, knows exactly what camera to look in, to fucking put this ring on and smile into the camera. He is an absolute marvel, this guy. Uh, anyways, uh, Warlow get, takes like a, a punch to the jaw here or whatever from, from Billy and gets a little upset. Uh, more slow dissension between Wardlow and MJF. And uh, yeah, we get B Billy Gunn who looks like a brick shithouse and this was kind of a fun, quick match, but MJF does clock him with the diamond ring and get the one, two, three. Hides the diamond ring in his shorts before the pin. Uh, I can only imagine how many times this guy is in a mirror practicing this. Uh, being like, hey, honey, go stand in the door. I'm going to hide something in my shorts. You tell me if you see me do it. Uh, he's, he's just perfect at this. Uh, backstage with Ar Alex Marvez and the Sex Gods. Alex Marvez is, like, the most abused person on this show next to uh, Tony Schiavone constantly. Um, Chris Jericho, as always, managing to put over Orange Cassidy while saying he's going to destroy him. Uh, and they talk about their match tonight. Tony and Britt Baker. Uh, what? Sorry, uh, Tony's talking about Britt Baker here, and then they talk about uh, Sheeta versus Ford at Fighter Fest. Uh, we have to assume that Britt Baker was maybe going to fill that role, uh, but Ford has stepped in in Baker's absence with her injury. Anyways, uh, Britt Baker here is uh, mouthing off at ringside, I believe it is, and it's revealed that Big Swole is driving her cart and kidnaps her. You know, pro wrestling shit. Cody versus Absolute Ricky Starks for the TNT Championship. Uh, absolute Ricky Starks has got a cool look, a bit of a, 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 a thinner guy, tall, uh, comes out with a gold chain. Good wrestler, a lot of cool moves here. Uh, JR buries a suicida attempt by Cody, saying, why would you do that so early in a match? I'm sure Arn Anderson's going to have a talk with him about that. Hagar is watching from backstage, sizing up Cody for their match at Fighter Fest. Cody takes his belt off, which JR announces is customary for him. It's a hard-fought match. We get pin combos at the end, but Cody catches Ricky in a crossroads. One, two, three. Cody retains, and of course, the babyface handshake. Uh, great stuff from Cody. He's maintaining this super kind of intimidating, focused Cody, where you believe you will beat the shit out of this guy, but you will never pin him. Uh, and that's super cool. That's kind of something Moxley has going for himself, too. And uh, that's what you want out of baby faces, I guess, because uh, they're both being very successful. Super bad, no longer Death Squad, uh, with Penelope Ford versus the Young Bucks. Matt comes out still selling his ribs, which, as far as we know, are actually injured in real life. He's got them all taped up. Butcher and Blade are talking shit at ringside. Distracted wet, uh, ref ends up with Jimmy Havoc pulling out a wet floor sign, which is used multiple times in this match while the ref is distracted. Of all fucking weapons, a wet floor sign, I don't think... If I asked someone to smack me in the face as hard as they could with a wet floor sign, I would probably maintain consciousness and maybe not be even that fucked up. So in a wrestling match, uh, when Jimmy Havoc had already teased bringing like a wrench and a hammer into the match, wet floor sign... 
weird way to go. Uh, commercial break. We get the Dark Results ticker. As far as I know, this is something new, and it's the first thing time it happens in this episode, is they have a sports-esque ticker on the bottom of the screen that lets you know the results from Dark. And even if you're not paying attention to it, you are. And uh, it, you just see the name that beat someone else, and now when they come up on Dynamite, and it's like, hey, this person's getting a, a shot at a title, or, or hey, they're ranked very highly. You'll be like, yeah, I see this person's name pop up all the time, even without them being on the show. This is a cool idea. This is a cool sports idea, and it's something that WWE should have thought of years ago. We get a blocked Hurricane Rana uh, by Matt. A hot tag to Nick. Nick holds Kip. He holds him. I don't know what I meant by this note. Uh, we get a distraction by Jimmy Havoc. Uh, and then Ford is back with a wet floor sign to Nick. We get an anis uh, assisted near fall on Nick. Assisted DDT into a near fall on Nick, rather. Uh, this leads to a quick hot tag back to Matt, who gives uh, the Northern Lights suplex to Jimmy. And the Young Bucks team up for a risky business, which uh, Jimmy Havoc is able to kick out of. FTR and uh, Butcher and Blade argue outside the ring. Uh, Kip diving foot stomp on Matt's ribs, which looked pretty nasty. Uh, and of course, a heelish thing to do to jump on a man's injured ribs. Uh, we get Nick uh, breaking up the near fall here just in time. And then an awesome move. That I don't know if the Young Bucks have done this before. I assume they have. But they flip Jimmy Havoc upside down onto Kip. Like Kip's going to give him a pile driver. And then they kick out Kip's uh, knees. So he pile drivers his own teammate. At which point they give him the Kamagoye, which I have to imagine is still a slight at Kenny. And uh, that's a one, two, three. The Young Bucks win. Immediately, Butcher and Blade and FTR storm the ring. FTR, of course, is defending the Young Bucks because they want them at full strength to fight themselves, which is a pretty interesting heel thing. Uh, they beat the Butcher down. Dual Mindbreakers on the Blade and Jimmy Havoc from Young Bucks and uh, FTR. And we get a, a friendly stare down. Taz and Brian Cage. Taz talks for a while. And then, unfortunately, Brian Cage talks as well. Uh, and then this leads into Moxley, and uh, that's pretty much all we see out of that uh, going on on the show. They're talking mad shit. But hey, there's a lot of weeks to go until the match, so this is fine. Uh, although I'd like to see Moxley show up on the show next week. We're reminded that Fighter Fest is July 1st and 8th. Next week we will have Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. We will have Colt Cabana and Brody Lee. So that, that confirms it then. Uh, versus a Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela. A lumberjack match between Wardlow and Luchasaurus. If you don't know what a lumberjack match is, that is when two men fight in the ring while all the other wrestlers surround the ring and make sure the two men stay in the ring. I don't see why this is necessary for Luchasaurus and Wardlow. Both of them seem like they would want to have a competitive match with one another. Lumberjack matches are, I thought, usually reserved for when you have a cowardly heel that might try to run away from the match or try uh, some tactics outside of the ring. You would have the Lumberjacks there. But I digress. Uh, we also have the Natural Nightmares versus FTR. And, uh, of course, Moxley in action. Okay, so that answers my question in the notes I took earlier today. All right. Fighter Fest, it's coming. We're going to have Cody versus Hagar for the title. We're going to have Ford versus Sheeta for the title. We're going to have Mox versus Cage for the title. And now, a Britt Baker update. Britt Baker is in a dumpster. Big Swole has uh, taken this injured uh, lady and uh, somehow, I assume just like Fireman threw her into the, into the dumpster here. She is covered in garbage in a comical cartoon way. Some banana peels and etc. She is yelling for her assistant Reba, a.k.a. Rebel. Uh, fires her, rehires her, uh, a lot of good stuff here. Britt Baker is working her ass off while not being able to work her ass off in the ring, and I respect it. Matt Hardy comes out to join the announce desk. Of course, Matt Hardy, 
a man of many personalities. Uh, we are. He is asked almost immediately what Matt Hardy you were getting. Uh, he reveals this is OG uh, Matt Hardy that JR signed in WWE. And he's down-to-earth Matt Hardy who's just telling it like it is. Uh, I'm being won over by Matt Hardy slowly. Uh, maybe I would have always liked Matt Hardy if I, I followed him on this journey. But here we are. The Sex Gods versus Best Friends. Title shot on the line, as I said. Uh, Matt Hardy says Sammy will uh, be able to choose the form of his destroyer, essentially. Get to choose what version of Matt Hardy he fights next week. Curious to see what Sammy Guevara chooses. Of course, Matt Hardy trying to put over Sammy, saying he could be truly great if he would just leave Chris Jericho. And it seems like Matt Hardy is trying to groom Sammy to be his new Jeff. We didn't mention Jeff being involved in an angle last Friday with Sheamus, in which he splashed Sheamus in the face with a beaker of piss. Fox... Uh, apparently it isn't cool with this being on their network on Friday night. Uh, cut it from most of the feeds and from the show. So you can find it on social media because WWE fucking love Vince. Is, it's good shit. He splashed him in the face with piss. Uh, but uh, Fox didn't want that shit. So uh, probably won't say that. Apparently on XT, someone threw up on somebody else as well. So uh, Vince McMahon alive and well and apparently has his fingers in the WWE pie more than ever. All right, we get a commercial break. Uh, Chris Jericho interrupts a hug. What do, why do I have written that? Okay, yeah, okay. So <laughs> we have uh, we have some heat here. Best friends, uh, clear they're in there going for the hug. Chris Jericho interrupts this hug. All four men are basically down. Chris Jericho gives uh, gets Trent in a lion tamer. He's able to get the rope break. Uh, and then a lot of other stuff happened here, but I'll be honest, I had to skip through some of this match, unfortunately. I plan to go back and watching it because I love Sammy Guevara. Uh, Trent hits him with this really cool, like, driver pin combo that just crunches him into a ball and gets the pin. Uh, there is a moment here near the end where Sammy Guevara is going to bounce off the rope and is tripped by seemingly the cameraman, another great swerve. I'm like, oh, that looks like a legitimate accident. Turns out that cameraman who had a mask on is Orange Cassidy. He attacks Chris Jericho after this match, is completely fired up, Superman punch, all kinds of cool moves. Those two men seem to be on a collision course for Fighter Fest. And that's the show. That was Dynamite. Fun show. Uh, lots of fun. <laughs> uh, so we have basically the... How, do, how does time work anymore? We have the Go Home show next week. Yes, the 24th is the last show before Fighter Fest will kick off. So looking forward to it. And also really cool that they're presenting a pay-per-view, apparently, caliber uh, uh, show for free. If you get a, a match like Kenny Omega versus Young Bucks at this thing, just given away for free on TV... Fuck yeah, uh, and no one can really argue at that point that AEW doesn't have the best show on Wednesday nights. Sorry. Uh, Alright, Nikki and Brie are both pregnant at the same time. They had 10 episodes in the season, halfway through the season airing. It is revealed, of course, that both Bella tw twins are pregnant for realsies, and it seems like they tacked on an 11th episode. This is not me just trying to make excuses for saying that I was feeling the finale last week when I wasn't. Uh, this is legitimately what it seems to have happened. Uh, there's a little bit of a preamble at the beginning of this episode that seems like it was just footage shot at the end of the last season. Uh, but then anything to do with the pregnancy itself takes place after a huge time gap. Uh, and then, of course, the Bells are having their babies one month from today, essentially. Uh, so uh, I'm sure the producers of the show were like, fuck. Well, let's at least get something uh, out there as maybe a bonus episode for the season. Otherwise, we're going to come back with season six and both of these girls are just going to have babies. And based on uh, the 10th episode where we left things off, that would be 
a bit not that people who who follow so if you watch total bells i assume you keep track on some level of total bells news when you see it pop up you take notice of it you aren't like oh i don't want spoilers for the next fucking season of a reality show that's ridiculous all right uh so nikki and artem uh are together here nikki is revealing that she is pregnant to artem artem loves the hell out of this news uh, and this can be a little more point form uh, than I'm used to. I'll, I'll get in, I'll dig into some parts of this, but otherwise we're gonna we're gonna skim through here. So Total Bells season five episode eleven taken over taken over the world. Nikki presents Brie with the same pregnancy test in real time. This conversation with Brie apparently takes place a day after Nikki tells Brie she's having second thoughts about uh, engagement and commitment, and then the next time Brie talks to her, she's like, "I'm pregnant." Uh, so Brie kind of no-sells the pregnancy here, uh, is, a, is is not congratulating Nikki, is a little more concerned with her sister and uh, where she's at. Nikki's at the doctor, she is confirmed pregnant by the doctor, uh, and Artem cries at the uh, sight of his zygote uh, for the first time. Uh, Artem's a, a big sweetheart, and Nikki's lucky to have him. Commercial break, uh, such a long commercial break that it's six weeks long. Uh, as we come back and, uh, oh, my uh, neighbor has decided time to, to start sawing his tree. So we'll wrap this up pretty quickly. The, uh, Bella twins are now pregnant publicly. What do I mean by that? Uh, there's kind of a montage here summing up those six weeks where we see, uh, the Bella twins on, uh, different television shows talking about getting knocked up together, uh, not getting knocked up together, but being knocked up together. Wait, that's no better. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's out. Everybody knows. These ladies are pregnant. Let the fun begin. Uh, we get we're hanging out at Breeze. Daniel Bryan uh, is there. He's talking about how he wants the the first of many times he mentions he wants the gender of his baby to be a surprise. Uh, and they kind of talk about the situation, what's going on, having some fun with the fam. It is very clear most of the rest of this episode is a forced. We need to get uh, 20 minutes of footage together, so why don't you call us next time you go to the doctor or tape it yourself? Uh, can you please get your family to send us any videos they've taken regarding the pregnancy, and maybe we'll use some of them in the show? Uh, let's uh, Artem and Daniel Bryan, can you please go shopping together? Uh, Bella Twins' mom and Nikki, can you please go shopping together? We'll make a little storyline about it. And that's this. That's most of the episodes of the show, to be fair. Uh, but here, it, it was like lightning round, because they, they had to get a arc... Uh, out of something that basically resolved in the last episode, but now it has definitely not resolved as suddenly Nikki is pregnant. All right. Uh, after that, we get some uh, some milkshakes and shopping. Uh, the girls are, are getting cravings together. They wanted some French fries and milkshakes. They go through the drive-thru because N Nikki doesn't want people watching her buy a burger or something. Uh, if Nikki showed up looking like Christy Alley uh, at her worst, Christy Alley is still alive. And hasn't been heard of in a decade. Where's Christy Alley? Is she okay? Uh, but basically, if she showed up looking like Christy Alley at her worst and buying a burger, okay, I get it. But Nikki here doesn't look pregnant. She just looks like Nikki Bella. She could walk into anywhere and buy a burger. And I'm sure no one's going to be like, man, what a fat ass. Uh, that's not, <laughs> not going to be the case. And then we have the most heartwarming, wholesome thing of the entire fucking season. Uh, which is Daniel Bryan and Artem shopping and bonding over their... Uh, pregnant wives uh in in a in a fun way now brian is is sharing legitimate advice with artem about dealing with brie as dealing with brie and dealing with nikki turns out pretty similar uh except they have their own uh extra perks or quirks as you will uh this is great and uh, i'd like to see no i wouldn't uh but it'd be nice to see more of just these two guys hanging out because they're very genuine uh but are they interesting enough to be the the subject of a, a reality show probably not uh Moving on. Nikki and Brie 
They uh, they are hanging out with apparently some kind of a, a file on the computer that reveals their baby's genders. Uh, Nikki is saying she's doing a gender reveal party and she would love if Brie could uh, take part in it as well. Brie is apprehensive while she seems to be genuinely... I think she's more curious than genuinely maybe wanting to spoil the surprise. And fair enough. Uh, that's... I mean, it's kind of between, I guess, both of them. Uh, but Daniel Bryan here is very, very strongly uh, feels he wants it to be a surprise. He doesn't, however, mind if Bree checks it out, uh, which is very reasonable. And uh, he busts in here with a giant cauliflower that he bought at the store. Uh, I assume he was he, he was told to come into the room at a certain point here, and he just grabs something from the kitchen as like a prop comedy. Uh, he, uh, he he's convinced that uh, that that Bree can kind of. Tells Brie to do whatever she wants, basically. Click the thing, don't click the thing, but I'm leaving and I would like to not be told. Uh, so we would not participate in this gender reveal party. Brie uh, appears to uh, side on this as well and uh, doesn't click the file. The girls are with their dad. Let's talk about the Bella's dad again. Uh, Joe, or whatever, Jonathan, or whatever his name is. Uh, so apparently this guy was abandoned at the age of one, not unlike Peter Pan in Hook. Uh, and he... So they talk about their book and how they talked about their upbringing and they talked about their father. Apparently, there must be some kind of legal reason why they're not going into what the dad was, quote-unquote, addicted to, is referred to as his addiction, is referred to as hurting his family. It, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, stepping out of their mom. It could be a combination of all of those things. Uh, but when you don't tell us what it is, the mind runs wild. Uh, of course, the uh, the truth is always stranger than the fiction, so maybe it is best we don't learn what this guy was up to. Uh, but he apparently did some really bad shit to the point of uh, their mom and JJ just not wanting anything to do with this motherfucker. And uh, the Bella twins kind of respect that and don't invite him to the party. Obviously, people have got these kind of rows in their family. Uh, the thing here is the, this is the immediate family. This is the dad, the mom, and the brother. Uh, so... You know, uh, for the sake of their guests, including one Frankie Muniz, let's keep things, uh, you know, copacetic. All right, we get Brie and Daniel Bryan at the doctor's on film on what looks like an iPhone. Uh, and they learn that it's possible that the girls could give birth at the same time, at the same day. How crazy would that be? Nikki is worried here about being considered a MILF. Sure. Uh, so we get Nikki and Artem again here. Uh, there's been a storyline going on the entire... Uh, episode here about Nikki not wanting to pick up her ring from presumably the resizer or something like that. How she's apprehensive about the the engagement. She's being kind of Bree is basically there to bolster these feelings, and then uh, Nikki has a shopping date with her mom, where she learns her mom half of her mom's face is paralyzed. Yeah. She woke up randomly with some kind of palsy one morning, and she might have to go into like physical therapy. This is like fucking. This is what happens when you skip six weeks of a reality show. This could have been its own episode. Uh, but that's that's awful. So all the best to her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she kind of tells Nikki, hey, uh, don't look at my life and my mistakes as something that you would, you would do. You gotta kind of do you. And that apparently resonates with Nikki, at least enough in this episode to complete her story arc of going to pick up the ring and presenting Artem with it. Artem at first is worried that he's being given back his ring. Uh, he's making sweet potatoes or something. Nikki comes home with some pretzels and, uh, states we should eat these first. Uh, and as I said while watching this, uh, it's very clear that while Cena was lucky to have Nikki... Uh, Nikki, as I said earlier in this episode, is very lucky to have Artem. He is, uh, he's really looking out for her. Seems like a great guy. Uh, Russian dancers. Everyone should get one, I guess. I'm a Ukrainian dancer. Is that close enough? Yeah. If it was the 80s, it'd be the same. All right. 
that's that's kind of it's time to wrap it up. We're we got two minutes left, and we're gonna go to the uh, gender reveal party while we're watching this, and they're showing the guests arrive for a split fucking second. I see Frankie goddamn Munez, and I call it out, and Krista's like, "You are insane." When the episode concludes, I rewind it to find. Well, if that's not Frankie Muniz, it looks a lot like him. I, of course, did a quick Google search to find that Frankie Muniz had recently been on the Bellas podcast. And that's good enough for me. That Frankie Muniz was in this episode. They don't mention him. He's putting on a fake mustache. And I caught him. They're having a boy. Nicky Nardum. We're having a boy. That's it. Uh, they want to have a Mexican fiesta party. They get, like, dancers and a mariachi band. It seems like a fun time. Uh, and everything's great. And we leave the Bellas on a very positive note. And that's kind of it. Uh, Brie and Daniel Bryan's uh, marriage issues aren't kind of going into here. Daniel Bryan seems uh, very happy to be having another kid. And maybe that has quelled uh, his his depression and stuff like that for the time being. All the best to him. And all the best to these goofballs that I've uh, spent the last few weeks following. Uh, that's going to be it for Total Bellas. I think for real now, they're not going to spring another fucking episode on us in a month or something like that. And that's going to be it for the podcast. Uh, at Tits Iceberg is uh, us on Twitter. LeahTitsTheIceberg.com is my email address. Feel free to leave a question, topic, or anything. Anywhere you see this podcast posted, it'll get back to us. We can discuss it on the show. Uh, for myself, Lee. For Krista, who silently joined me in the corner here. And for Reed, who will be joining us again next week. That's the Sultans of... Slam and welcome to the jam.